All right, we're going to be in Colossians and going to be making reference to a lot of different places in the Bible. <clears throat> but we have been studying Colossians for a while, and once we got into chapter 2, things really slowed down, and I've been kind of hung up right here in uh, chapter 2, right around last few weeks we've been talking about the blotting out, the handwriting of ordinances, we've talked about uh, spoiling principalities and powers. Before that we talked about the circumcision made without hands and today I'm, I'm backing up a little bit and we're going to go over some of these things again with the emphasis being rightly dividing. That's, the, that's been the main title of the podcast since it started. Rightly dividing the word of truth and understanding what the words in the Bible really mean and how to study the word and to be able to answer anybody who may have a question we need to be ready to have an answer for people who come to us who have a maybe maybe they have a desire to want to live a better life maybe they understand that uh, there is eternity after death and there may be concerned about that. And you have to be, each and every one of us have to be ready to give an answer. And we are instructed to, for our speech to be always with grace, seasoned with salt, so that we know how to answer every man. So, I'm going to read 9 through 13 again. We've already read this before, but pay, pay attention, close attention to this. And the title of today's message is, Ye are complete in Jesus Christ. Ye are complete in Jesus Christ. And the subtitle, and if you have a Schofield Bible, a lot of you have a Schofield, and right before verse 9, you will see a little note that says, nothing can be added to completeness. That's the subtitle. Nothing can be added to completeness. So we are complete in Him. Verse 9, for in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, 
who hath raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened or made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Now, I've got Ephesians chapter 2 marked in my Bible. Got a little marker here. And I noticed when uh, Joy gave me the bulletin this morning over in Sunday school, I noticed that the front of it says Ephesians 2, 1 through 5. And that was part, I asked her, why did you pick that? And she was looking through her notes, well, there's a reason why I picked it. And she, no, well, I said, no, that was Ephesians 4, and she's like, I don't know why I picked it. I said, well, it's part of today's sermon, so good job. And notice the first hymn that we did today. It's, you know, come, ye thankful people, come. And how it's talking about uh, the grain, talking about the, the fire, where the tares are cast into the fire, or the shaft cast into the fire. And then talking about the fruitful ears to store in his garner. Remember that. That's, that was the hymn that we, that we sang. Remember that. So in Ephesians, you, you, you've heard me say many times that we have three enemies. And those enemies are the world, Satan, and our flesh. Those are the three enemies. Now in Ephesians chapter 2, Listen to the first three verses. You can be looking at the front of your bulletin. Follow along. Don't even have to turn there in your Bible. And you, this is, this is verse 1 in our bulletin. I think it starts with actually verse 2. But anyway, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Now, does that sound familiar? I just read it over in Colossians. Wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world. What's, what's one of our three enemies? Well, the three things that we really struggle against? The world. It's right there. According to the prince of the power of the air, who's that? Satan. That now worketh in the children of disobedience. So if we are disobedient to the word of God, Satan's working through you. You're in bondage. If you're an unsaved person, you're disobedient, disobedient to the Word of God. You are under the bondage of this world. You are under the uh, prince of the power of the air. And then look at verse 3. Among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. So all three of those things are right there in those first three verses. So if anybody asks, well, where do you find these three enemies, these things that we're up against, the world, the devil, and the flesh, they're all right there in three verses. And if you are in that state of being in bondage to the world and to Satan and your very own flesh, 
then you are going to be, by nature, you're going to be the children of wrath. That's just what's going to happen in your life. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest, lest any man should boast, for we are his workmanship. So isn't it so much better to be Jesus' workmanship than Satan's? Created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So I wrote down three, uh, five things that I put, I put on here. I said, what part did you play in these things? And then I listed them. Circumcision made without hands. What part did you play for that to happen? Now in Ephesians 2.11... It said, I put my mark in the wrong place. The very next verse, right where I stopped reading, it says, Wherefore, remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. So the first thing on my list is circumcision made without hands. But then there's a circumcision that's made by hands. That would be the Jewish circumcision that was physically done. But then the Bible talks about the circumcision made without hands that is supposed to happen to each and every one of us when we believe. The second thing on my list, what did you do to be baptized into Jesus Christ? You being baptized into Jesus, what did you do to make that happen? In Romans chapter 6, it says in verse 3, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? What did we do to play a part in that? We were raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father. What did you do for that to happen? Being raised up by the Father. In verse 4 of uh, Romans 6, verse 4, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. <clears throat> Verse 5 of uh, Romans 6, For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, what did you do to be planted into the likeness of his death? 
Did you go out and dig a hole somewhere and bury yourself like it's putting a seed in the ground? What did you do to make this happen? We shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. If you died, what did you do to be resurrected? And then another thing on my list, our old man is crucified with him. What did you do to be crucified? Did you nail yourself to a cross so you could be crucified? Have you done that? Would you ever do that? No. Could you possibly do that? Be really hard to do. Verse 6 of uh, Romans 6. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed. So, see, we need the body of sin, that flesh that we struggle with every day, we need that body of sin to be destroyed. So let's say, we're, let's have a special service where we all come and we, we, we do this. We get rid of this body of sin. Just kill it. No one showed up for that service. Wonder why? No one showed up. I wouldn't blame you. I wouldn't show up for that service either. So what, what did you do for that to happen. And then what I just read over in verse 6, over in Ephesians chapter 2, it said, uh, I got here number 5, made us to sit together in heavenly places. The Bible says that you're sitting with Jesus in heavenly places. How did you get there? What did you do to get there? Now, rightly dividing the word of truth, there are things to be very you got to be very careful about. One of them is, and I mentioned, I think I did this on a Wednesday night, a few weeks back, a couple weeks back, we, I talked about, and there was a reason that I did it on that Wednesday. There was, a, there was a reason. It didn't seem to be going along with what we were doing in, in Deuteronomy, but uh, I knew I needed to talk about it. And I want to mention it here. You've heard people say, you must repent of your sins. You have to repent for your sins. You, they, they, you see it said in different ways, but it's basically you get this idea that you must repent and believe before you can be saved. Repent and believe. You've heard it many times. And I was talking about, uh, we, I was asking if you had a new person, a new person in the faith came to you and, and they asked you, they, they say, let's say they go, I've never read anything in the Bible. I have a Bible now. Where should I start reading? What should I read first? Most people that Bible preachers and teachers, they normally would tell somebody, read the Gospel of John. I've heard that so many times. And it's the fourth book in the New Testament. You've got to, you know... It's all the way over there, but it's, it's a good idea. I think it's a really good idea that somebody who's brand new would read the book of John. So it's, I think it's good advice. So anybody that comes to you and tells you you must repent and believe, and they also might tell you that you need to read the book of John. Well, how many times is the word repent or repenteth or repentest or even repentance, how many times is that in the book of John? 
None. Zero. So if you must repent, now, to understand Bible words is so critical. I would, I would tell people, you need to believe. You, just, you need to believe. But what about repenting? Don't, don't I need to repent of the sins in my life? And I'm like, well, if you think that you can make a list of all your sins and then get rid of them, and then you're good enough to come to God, you've put something there that you can say, look, God, I did away with this, 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 and this, all without your help, and now I want to be saved. It's not going to work. You will not be saved. Believe is the positive way of saying that you have repented. Because repentance is changing direction, making a different decision. You've been, you've been doing it your way, well, now you realize that your way is leading you to hell, and it, it, you need to, it, it needs to be more, I turn to God from sin. Not that I turn from sin to go to God. That may sound like the same thing, but it's really different. So, if you've got somebody who's asking about wanting to get saved and joining your church, and, and they're saying, you might say, well, you've got a lot of bad things in your life, and you need to get some of those things straightened. You're giving them some really bad advice. You need to say, come to Jesus right now. Come just as you are. And when you make that decision to turn to God, you're turning your back on all those things in your life. So, be careful about adding a work of repentance to believing. Be careful. Here's another one. And, and it says Romans chapter 10. You might hear somebody say, you have to believe and confess Christ. <clears throat> I think it's very important that we confess Christ. And I think that if you tell somebody they have to confess Christ to be saved, are you putting that in front of just believing? So it's another thing we need to be careful about. A person should confess Jesus and, be, and not be embarrassed by it. <clears throat> and here's the big one. Well, think about believing. <laughs> that word. There's a, there's a dual meaning in the Bible. So I have, on my third little thing here, I have uh, believe and be baptized to be saved. And I'm going to show you a verse where it actually says that. But we've got to understand, first, what believe means, and understand that when we say believe, there's an intellectual belief, and then there's a heart belief. An example of the intellectual belief. The devils believe and tremble. If you've been here on Wednesdays, you saw that. We, we read that in James when we went through the book of James not that long ago. James 2.19. The devils believe and tremble. Well, they're not saved. If, a person, if you talk to somebody about church, Jesus, and they might say, oh, I believe in God, then your response needs to be, 
The devils believe. That should be your response. Do you have an intellectual belief of Jesus, or do you have a heart belief of Jesus? With the heart, we believe unto righteousness. That's part of that confessing in Romans 10.10. With the heart, we believe. What What did Philip say to the eunuch? The Ethiopian eunuch, when he asked, uh, there's water, what hinders me to be baptized? He said, do you believe? You need to believe with all your heart. That kind of belief is what the belief that we are talking about when we say you must believe. If you go back to the Gospel of John, and if I go back in my notes far enough, I can tell you exactly how many times the word believe is in the book of John. It is a lot, a whole lot. I can't remember, but it's in my notes. But I'm not going to take time to go back and show you. But believe is all through the book of John. That's why it's very good advice to tell somebody to read the book of John, the gospel of John. Now, this, the verse that we want to look at is uh, Mark 16, if, If you want to, you can turn there if you want, if you're good at turning, or you can just write it down, and I'm going to read Mark 16, verses 15 and 16. And he said unto them, let's talk about Jesus, said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. Well, there it is. There it is in the Bible. You have to believe and be baptized before you can be saved. Okay? And, I, and I've met so many people, and they cling to this verse. Now, notice that you will not see that in Matthew. You won't see it in Luke. Uh, you won't see it in John. But in this particular place in the Bible, you see that it says, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Now, I asked you earlier, what did you do to be baptized into Jesus? There's another verse I want to read to you out of Matthew. You can can find it in Luke as well. This is Matthew chapter 3. When John the Baptist said, this is uh, verse 11 and 12, John the Baptist said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Now, Did you notice that there's two different kinds of baptisms right there? There's a baptism with water, and then there's a baptism with the Holy Spirit. John was baptizing people in water, John the Baptist. Jesus is, he he told everybody that Jesus is coming, and his baptism is way better than my baptism, And he's going to baptize you in the Holy Ghost or with fire. Now, the reason I say or, it says with the Holy Ghost and with fire because he's 
This is said in all the Gospels. It, the fire part's not in all of them. It's not in Mark and it's not in John. In this situation that we're talking about right here. And we, I, I mentioned this uh, the other day and, and Joey thought it was really cool. In Matthew, if you go back a little bit in, in, in 3, in verse 7 it says, but when he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, there, the, the, remember, the Pharisees and the Sadducees were there. John the Baptist was baptizing people every day for who knows how long. And not always did the Pharisees and the Sadducees show up. Now if you go over to Mark, in the same, talking about the same situation, you will see uh, John the Baptist say, I, am, I baptize with water, but there's one coming after me. He baptized in the Holy Ghost. He didn't say anything about the fire. Well, if you pay close attention to how Mark talks about the story, he doesn't say anything about Pharisees and Sadducees being there. When you go over to Luke, you're, you're sure, you see where the Pharisees and Sadducees are there, and he says the same thing he says in, in uh, Matthew. And when you go over to John, and you're reading it in John chapter 1, you see where John the Baptist is talking to some messengers that the Pharisees had sent. Well, the Pharisees weren't there, and we know that because they sent messengers to ask John the Baptist who he was and why he was baptizing. And John the Baptist explains to the people who came uh, as messengers that, you know, I, yeah, I'm, I, I baptize with water, but this Lamb of God who has come, he's going to baptize with the Holy Ghost. So two times you see the Holy Ghost and fire, and both of those times the, 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 the religious elite, the bad guys, Pharisees and Sadducees, they're there hearing, and John the Baptist made sure they understood that Jesus Christ is either going to baptize with the Holy Ghost, he looked right over to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and he said, and with fire, looking at them. Now, now there's people who say that being baptized with the fire, that's when you get the Holy Ghost and you might speak in unknown tongues, you might get slayed in the Spirit and all that stuff. That's, they, they use that verse to say that's what Jesus is going to do to you. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, and you're going to get all these special spiritual gifts. Look at the next verse. It says, Whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner. Remember the song? Remember the hymn? He'll gather his wheat into the garner in the safe place, but he will burn up the shaft or the tares, in another, another example, with unquenchable fire. That's hell. So when, when the harvest is done, then the wheat, the good, the saved people of God, they're going to be gathered up and put into the safe place, and all the, the, the professors of faith, the people who aren't really saved, and all those people who never would come to church, all those people, they're going to be gathered up and burned with fire unquenchable. Pay very close attention to all these little details that are in the Word of God. 
The Word of God defines itself. Trust it. It will define itself. Now, we have, like we have an intellectual belief or a, a heart belief, we also have a ritual baptism, and then we have a real baptism. So that verse in Mark 16 that said you, that Jesus himself said, go and preach the gospel to every creature, and he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. What baptism was he talking about? When, when I read Romans 6 and I say, so many of us as were baptized into his death, that is Jesus Christ baptizing you at the moment you truly believe with a heart belief, then all of those things, that five things that I listed, the circumcision made without hands, that's your flesh. See, we don't have to have a special service where we can kill this body of sin. Because when we believe, then we are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. The flesh that, is, that we're in bondage to is cut away and thrown away. And it's an operation of God. He does it. All we do is sit here and believe with a heart belief. And then being baptized into Jesus. Going down to the river and getting dunked in the water does not get you baptized into Jesus. That is a ritual baptism that we're all told to do, and we all should do it. But it doesn't save you. It's what you do after you get saved. Our old man is crucified with him. It's because of what Jesus did on the cross. And when we believe what he did on the cross, then we are crucified. Our old man is crucified because we were buried with him and we're dead. But then we were raised up just like Jesus was raised. We played no part in it. It's what God did for us through Jesus. And he's made us to sit in heavenly places with him. That, that hymn talked about how the blade, that's when we were first saved. Talking about the ear becoming you know, developed. That's our Christian walk. And then when it's full, that's when we're ready to be harvested and taken to Him forever. Trust in the real baptism. There are many doctrines of baptism. That's in Hebrews chapter 6. But there's only one true baptism. Ephesians chapter 4. One true Baptism. And if you miss it, you miss a lot. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Father, I pray that we are able to see those important things in your word. Father, that you, you have done it all. Father, that we must understand that it is by your grace alone that we could ever be saved. And Father, that we cannot do any kind of work to make it happen, but Father, we can only 
through faith that you have given us through the Holy Ghost, Father, with that faith alone, that we believe in your grace alone for salvation. Father, I pray that each and every one of us would have a heart belief. And Father, that we would turn away from any effort, any kind of work that we could possibly brag about, that we would put all that aside. Father, that we would just look to you, accept what you've done as a free gift, be truly saved, and then, Father, that we would start to develop into that full ear, being more and more ready to be harvested by you. Thank you, Lord, for all your many blessings, for your wonderful word. Father, for the wonderful shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. And Father, we accept it. Thank you, Father. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.